0: And uh, what an exciting day, amen! and uh, birthday, anniversary, whatever you want to call it, 25 years of the church, 20 years Pastor Matt being here, and um, Josh, ordination tonight, and then revival services uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday evening, and so a lot of exciting things going on. I'll let you open your Bibles this morning in the Sunday School time here to 1 Kings chapter number 21. One, First Kings, chapter number twenty-one. I was just last Sunday um, in Ecuador at uh, my son, son-in-law's church um, down there. They had their one-year um, celebration. We had a wonderful time down there, and like you're doing here, they had a they had the service. Then after that, they had a meal. And I think the meal down there was a little different than the meal we're going to have here today. And um, they had uh, there was about a hundred people there, mostly adults. They, it's kind of an unusual. Um, in the mission field, like that, they don't have a lot of children. They have some, but um, they have a, they have a large adult ministry. People coming, bringing their children, and um, so they had uh, the meal in nine chickens and um, to feed a hundred people. And God did a miracle; they did it. <laughs> of course, they were big chickens. I saw them; they were big old chickens. But uh, they had those chickens there, and the ladies had cooked them, and then they had some salads and rice and other food. And uh, it was a great time down there in their church. And um, some folks got saved, and it was a great blessing. And then to come here this week, and uh, I think we have more than nine chickens around, I'm sure. All right. I saw the food coming in, and I will have a good time with that. But to be here at your church, what a blessing that is. But First Kings chapter 21 this morning, I want to use this Old Testament um, event that God recorded to, to challenge us and to lay some foundations for things that we'll be preaching on Monday night, Tuesday night. And Wednesday night here at the church and uh, if you know the story it's the story of a man named Naboth and um, he had a he had a vineyard that was given to him by his family it was passed on if you understand some of the things about um, the the families as they would continue and keep those things and it was something he was not allowed to get rid of it was to be possessed and the king Ahab desired it. And so let's read some of the verses here, beginning in verse number one. It says, and it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard, which was in Jezreel, hard by the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house, and I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it, or if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it. In money and Naboth said to Ahab the Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee and Ahab came into his house heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him for he had said I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers and he laid him down upon his bed and turned away his face and would eat no bread and if you continue on his wife Jezebel came and wanted to know why he was so sad and he explained why and she said don't worry I'll get you the vineyard and she set Naboth up with some lies and she had Naboth killed and after Naboth was killed she said you can have the vineyard and what a wicked wicked thing that she did that was you know taking that man's life but this morning I want us to try to draw some lessons in paralleling if we can using the vineyard as a representation of of the ministry or the church that God has given you. And um, it's a blessing to have a pastor for 20 years. Um, As I travel around America, I'm blessed. Um, Many of the churches that I work in, um, I've been preaching for the same churches, the same pastors. They've been there many, many years. And there's nothing um, that can replace true godly faithfulness. And what I mean by that is um, there are some people that are just enduring you know, hoping till the end gets here. That's not a good, that's not faithfulness. All right. Faithfulness is when you're striving every day, every week, every month, every year to please the Lord. Um, you're not, uh, just trying to get out of things, but you're trying to improve things and do things. And there's a blessing when you have a pastor, um, that has stayed someplace for 20 years. You don't get what you have here. Um, without that many places I go, Um, Pastors are there for two or three years, and then they get discouraged, they pack up, they leave. They go somewhere else for two or three years, they get discouraged, they pack up, they leave. And um, there's a great joy in faithfulness, and you should be grateful for that, that a church is there. And um, there are people here that have been in this church since it was established, and they've just stayed year after year, year after year. And that's not easy in our world today. Um, People like to just abandon and try other things. That's why our, our homes are in such sad shape, are they not? You know, people get married, and you know it's like a trial run. And you know, if it doesn't work out, we'll go find somebody else. In fact, today a lot of people don't even get married, do they? It's just you know, let's cohabitate, they call it. And um, you know, that way there's no there's no trouble if we want to separate. And and we see that the the sad effects that has upon our world, um, in our homes. And so we're thankful for a church that has that faithful spirit. And I want to use this vineyard this morning a little bit and the attitude of Naboth um, to encourage you um, to continue another 25 years, um, to continue another 10 years, to continue going for the work of God. And so let's pray this morning, and then we'll look at some thoughts from these verses this morning. Father in heaven, Lord, we ask that you would help us today. Lord, we are grateful. Um, Lord, as the everlasting Father, the the perfect example of faithfulness. Um, Lord, you do everything always exactly right. And Lord, you don't give up. You don't despair. Um, Lord, you just do right. You do justly. You have mercy. And Lord, we're thankful for that. And Lord, this morning, I pray that you would teach us in this Sunday school hour. Lord, you would exhort us. You would convict us. Um, God, you would give us not just information, but Lord, you would give us things that Lord would help us to be what you would desire for us to be. And Lord, I ask for your power, I ask for you to help me to say what you want spoken, nothing more, nothing less. And we ask this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Just some observations as we look at this today. I'm going to give you like three or four things, and then I'll give you two main thoughts to uh, maybe make some application. But when you look into these verses, just some, just some thoughts that I wrote down about this vineyard that, that Naboth had, that Ahab desired... It is often true that you don't desire things that are not well cared for. You know, have you ever driven by and you see a house and um, you say, wow, I really like that house. And usually that's a house where the windows are all broke out, the grass is overgrown, the paint is peeling. And is, is, that, what you're, is that what you're looking for? Now, if you're looking for a purchase, you say, yeah, I think I can afford that one. All right. But uh, when you look at something and you, you desire something, you look at something that is well taken care of. You know, he said, well, I really like that car. You don't like it because it's all rusted and the tires are flat. You like it because it's polished, it's shiny, and it's in good shape, right? And I think that's a lesson that we should understand about uh, the vineyard that Naboth had, is it was a vineyard to be desired. It was something that somebody would want. And, you know, I believe that um, the New Testament church, when somebody walks in those doors, They should want to be here. Um, You're blessed, and I know it has its ups and its downs. You're blessed as a church that's in a tourist area. Uh, But I think there's something that that when people come and visit your church as a tourist in the summertime, that when they leave, they, they should go away and say, boy, I wish my church was like that. Amen? There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with creating something that is properly desirable by others. So, so I want you to get that in your mind this morning, that when, 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 when Ahab looked over his wall and he saw Naboth's vineyard, it was a vineyard that was to be desired. And that's a truth that we should apply to every area of our life. Uh, if, you're, if you have children, you know, it's a great joy if somebody says, I wish my children would be like that. Amen? Shouldn't, and I'm, not, I'm not saying we do these things in a prideful way. But we should strive to do these things in a God-honoring way. If, if you are a husband and wife, they, another couple should look at you and say, I wish I had that relationship. That's what I want my marriage to be like. And that, that spills into all areas of our ministry. If you are a, a member of the church here and you are working with the ministry, maybe you work with the um, the Anchor Club. People should say, "Boy, I wish I could run my anchor class like they run their anchor class." The Hope Ministry. I wish I could. You see what I'm saying? I wish I could know my Bible like they know their Bible. I'm saying that we should create something that is desirable. That should be a motivation in our life. Not, not in a prideful way, not in a boastful way. But whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. I mean, that's, a, that's an aspect of ministry that I'm afraid sometimes in our world today, we have lost sight of it. That we are satisfied with just performing or doing and getting through the day or getting through the task. I mean, I, I think a lady knows that when she makes a meal... She wants everybody to sit down and eat that meal and say, boy, I'd like to have another meal like that. You don't want to leave the meal and say, boy, we hope to never serve that again. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? And so so I get that picture in your mind of that vineyard. And it was right for Naboth to have a vineyard that somebody would desire. And that's why Ahab said, give me that vineyard. But I want you to notice some things because Ahab said, give me that vineyard in verse number 2 that I may have it for a garden of herbs. And I thought that was interesting because when you think about the vineyard, what is is the purpose of the vineyard? Obviously, it's producing fruit. um, That's the whole purpose of it. And if you're going to take the vineyard and strip it of its vines and make it a garden of herbs, it's a little bit different now. And I think that's kind of interesting because while the herbs are there and herbs can be for healing and for comfort and those type of things, I, I just made a notation down that, This particular plot of land was not an herb garden. It was to be a place of productivity. It was to be a vineyard. And I want to say today that Satan really desires to have the church and to change the purpose of the church. What would you say the purpose of the church is today? What was God's command to his disciples. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Um, to teach all nations. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when Jesus gave his commission to his followers, it was go, 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 go. The purpose of the church today is to get the gospel to the world. That's what it always has been and that's what it always Will be. When God is finished with getting the gospel to the world, the church is done. That's the purpose of the church. And sometimes Satan tries to replace that purpose. While there's nothing wrong with an herb garden, there's nothing wrong with getting comfort, there's nothing wrong with, you know, getting healing, that is not the primary purpose of the church. And many, many times today, Satan is clever, and he gets the church off of its main purpose, which is to get the gospel to the world, to reach Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth, to reach all the world with the gospel, and a church becomes internally focused or becomes focused on being a place of comfort and healing. And you can go week after week, month after month, and everybody feels good. The messages are building us up. The messages are, are, you know, helping us get over the problems of our past. And please don't misunderstand. Those are part of the church. The church is to be a place of healing. The church is to be a place where we get comfort. But that's not the primary purpose. Because let me ask you a question. When you're sick and you go to the hospital, what's the purpose of the hospital? To get you better, right? Right? And then you plan to live in that hospital the rest of your life, correct? What is the goal of the hospital? It is to get you better so they can what? Send you home, right? So you can get back to doing what you were doing before you entered the hospital, correct? But this happens in churches many times. Where people come into the church and there is to be a a healing because we've been damaged, hurt by whatever in the world or in life. But when they get healed, now what? They just want to sit there and enjoy the hospital food. They just want to sit there and enjoy the preaching. They just want to sit there in the comfort zone. You know, this is my chair and my seat, and it's nice to walk in and be Served. It's nice to walk in and have somebody take my temperature and my pulse and, you know, just don't stick any needles in me, you know? And it's nice to have all of this comfort and care and people bringing me flowers and saying how I am. But there comes a time when you should be what? Healed and go back to being productive. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so the purpose of the church, while it is to heal people that are hurt and damaged, It's to get them back to work for the Lord, back to serving the Savior. And sometimes I find people in churches that got hurt 25 years ago, that's an awful long healing process. Maybe they're just enjoying all of the comforting because productivity requires work. Have you ever had any of your children pretend to be sick? (laughs) it's pretty funny isn't it isn't it funny how that old injury can come up when it's time to weed the garden (laughs) oh i think i'm hurting today (laughs) sometimes christians do that don't we it's time to be productive for the lord but we go back to that past and so i just noted that down that ahab wanted to change the purpose of that vineyard and of course naboth said no um It's not there. I noticed something else that Ahab said in verse number two. He said, because it is near unto my house. And I thought that was kind of interesting because he desired that vineyard. Yes, because it was a desirable place. He wanted to change the purpose of it. But he also, it was a place of convenience. And boy, that's a big thing today, isn't it? Don't we all like convenience? Multi-million dollar industry is convenience. Making things convenient for people. But did you know the church is not supposed to be a place of convenience? Jesus didn't say, take up your convenience store and follow me. What did he say to take up? Take up your cross and follow me. Now, I was, when I was down in Ecuador, I was teaching um, in their Bible Institute. I was teaching about teaching. And um, I was talking to them, and I said, you know, when you, when you teach children, especially, and even adults sometimes, it's good to have visuals. And I said, when, when I say cross, I said, what do you think most of the kids in your class think of? And one of the ladies, immediately, she had a gold cross on a chain, and she said, right there. And I said, is that what we should think of when we think of a cross, a, a beautiful golden chain? Take up your cross and follow me. Everybody just wear a golden chain around your neck. That's easy, isn't it? I mean, even that cross, I like that wooden cross there, but is that, really, is that really what we get in our idea of a cross? A preacher of old, he wrote a sermon about the aluminum cross and how that today we look at the cross as being this lightweight, easy thing. Many years ago when I was down in New Orleans, there used to be fellows there when we'd be down there preaching on the streets. And they would—they had these crosses and they would, they'd they wear white white gowns and let their hair be long. And they'd walk around all week carrying these crosses, dragging them down the streets and, you know, trying to be like Jesus. And I'll never forget one year I came down there. And if the, the streets in New Orleans, they're, they're these old cobblestone streets. And they're real hard to walk on. They're not very well, you know, you trip and fall. And one of the guys had taken his cross that he, that he carried around, and he had a huge wheel on the bottom of the cross. He was strolling down the street. And I thought, boy, that's so true, though. That's what we try to do about the cross, don't we? We want a cross that is light, a cross that is easy. We want a cross of convenience. And you know what? The church serving God is not about our convenience. And we've got to be careful because as a church, as servants of God, isn't it easy to try to make everything convenient? Convenience to our Christianity. People want to rush in, punch the button, get the message, hit the road. (laughs) It's the mentality of the day, isn't it? And don't go long, don't be extra, don't make us work, you know. We just want it all prepackaged up. That's not the church. That's not the church. It takes study, it takes work, it takes sacrifice, it takes labor. It's going to cost to have the work of God. But we live in a world today where church has become a place of convenience rather than the cross, And I'll promise you that as our world continues to wax worse and worse, as the Bible says, Christianity, true Bible Christianity, will not be convenient. It will be a cross. Um, We we in America so much don't understand that because we have been blessed by God for so many years in our nation. But we know it's coming. We we know that it's not always going to be free to preach the word of God. There may be a day where you can't have a building like this and you have to go meet out in the trees secretly like many places in the world do. Um, When I'm over in India, that's not convenient for them to be Christians over there. Um, They get beatings, they get suffering. It's not convenient in many places of the world. Um, But we as God's people got to be careful that in our niceties that in our blessings that we don't fall into the trap of making the church and our service for God convenient. Honestly, it's not going to be convenient this week to come to revival services. It's not. It's going to be an inconvenience (laughs) because time, gas, darkness, activities, Monday night football, that's a tough one, I'm just saying it's not convenient. It's not convenient to read your Bible and study and pray. It's not convenient to to live a godly life. Ahab said, this is very near to my house. And then I noticed something else that he said, because he said, I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it. Now that's pretty interesting to me. Because he desires what, 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 what Naboth has and he says, give it to me And I have something better for you. Doesn't that sound good? But wait a second. If what I have is so good, you're willing to give me something better? Now, wait a second. I got to think this through. But isn't that what the devil says all the time? Isn't that what he says all the time about the church? About preaching, about the Bible. He always says, I have something better. Let me say something this morning. What God has given you is the best. There is nothing better than what God has given you. And God gave us His Word, amen? There's nothing better. I I like books, I've got lots of books, I read books. But i tell you something, it doesn't matter what a book says, there's nothing better than what the Word of God says. Amen. Right. And Satan is clever, always trying to get us to replace what the Bible says with something better. Now, I know we are to use the foolishness of preaching. That's what I'm doing this morning. I'm preaching. I'm telling you things. But there is nothing better than what God says. The words of men are nothing compared to the words of God. We if you were here this summer in Vacation Bible School, George Mueller, George Mueller made a statement later in his life that he wished he would have read much less of other books and spent more time reading this book because there's nothing better than the word of God. There's nothing better than church. And today we live in a world where they are trying to redesign church, redesign the assembling together, always you know, coming up with other ideas. There's nothing better than what God gave us. And the simplicity of reading the book of Acts, seeing what the New Testament church is, reading the epistles that, that Paul wrote as the, uh, as the apostle to the Gentiles, which is you and I, and understanding what the, there's nothing better. We don't need to replace anything. But Satan's always offering it, isn't he? He's always saying, try this. But there's nothing better than what God has given us. And we must be very careful about making comparisons and, and I always say that too even about even about like we live in a world today where it's easy to get online and listen to other preachers and look at other churches and look at what other people were doing be very careful there's nothing better than the pastor that God has given you amen nothing better Nothing better. There's nothing better than the local church that God has given you. Right. Don't fall into that trap of thinking, I need to go looking for something better. There's not. We, we, we all know it. We, we understand the statement. The grass is greener on the other side of the fence. The only reason it's greener on the other side of the fence is because you don't live there. Because you moving over there is going to change that grass just like your grass And people all the time say, well, I'll just go to another church. Well, that church is going to become to you just like the church you're in. I'm not talking about when there's sinful practices or doctrinal problems. I'm talking about when we talk about our preferences. Be very careful about that. Because, boy, you'll you'll get that eye looking and Satan will come along and say, I've got something better for you right here. And as soon as you grab it, you're going to find out it wasn't. Be happy with what God has given you. Amen. Amen. It's a wonderful truth in the scriptures. And then, of course, he said the last thing in verse number two. He said, or if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. And Ah and Naboth said, the Lord forbid. God forbid that. And I thought about that thought about. He said, I'll give you what it's worth in money. How can you put a price on something God has given you? I don't know if any of you have any family heirlooms. And you put the family heirloom on the table, and somebody says, Well, I'd like to buy that from you. Maybe it's an old gun. And they, they look it up and they say, Yeah, I'll give you 200 bucks for that gun. And you look at them and say, That was my great grandfather's gun. You can't put a price on it, can you? It's not worth, I know it's not worth $200 because it's an old gun that hardly shoots. But it has value because of where it came from. It has value because of the history that it contains. And I think you and I need to understand that you can't put a price on what God has given you. You can't sell out, although many people do. Satan dangles the opportunity of money, financial success in front of them. And people abandon the ministries that God has given them. They'll abandon their church. They'll abandon their heritage. Money is not evil, is it? It's not. The Bible never teaches anything against using money. But what the Bible says, the love of money is the root of all evil. And so many people make their decisions about their church On money. And Satan will dangle it in front of them. And instead of saying, Sorry, devil, God forbid, what God has given me is priceless. There's not enough money in the world to buy me out. That's the attitude we need to have. That is is what Naboth had about his vineyard. Now pause for just a second and think about what it cost him. What did it cost Naboth? His life. He died. He died. Do you know how much easier it would have been when all of a sudden Jezebel started stirring stirring things up? Naboth could have said, no, wait a second, wait a second. Pause. Everybody pause this. Let me go talk to Ahab. Ahab, you know what? I've had a... I've had a change of heart. (laughs) You want that vineyard? It's yours. But he didn't. You see, it wasn't just words to Naboth. It was a reality. He said, my life. And I want to encourage and I want to challenge Mountain View Baptist Church. Thankful. For the 25 years, thankful for the 20 years of the same pastor. But don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. Don't don't sell out what God has given you. Keep it for the next generation. You see, Naboth understood this. This this was given to him. He said, "I need to keep it for the next generation." It's it's not about any of these other things. And and I'm just sad to say this morning, so many so many churches around America. Have sold out the next generation. They've sold it out. Sometimes they sold it out because they wanted a big crowd. A church is not about a big crowd. But they wanted the big crowd, so they sold it out, and the next generation does not have the church that they used to have. It's been taken over by the the wickedness of the world. It's not about the crowd. So many churches have sold out because of the pressure of society. The doctrines that are preached and taught in the word of God are no longer preached and taught because it's not convenient and it's not comfortable to the people. You ought to praise God for a church where the pastor will preach the word of God. It's not always comfortable, is it? Sometimes when the pastor's done preaching, you're like, I'm not coming back. (laughs) But you ought to say, praise God, amen? Praise the Lord for a preacher, for a church that stands on the word of God your church won't always be the church that is called the church in town. You'll go through seasons. I've watched this in churches over the years because the world loves a church that benefits the community. They do. The world loves a church that helps kids be honest and not steal and not kill and not lie and stay off drugs. They love it. They love the benefit that a church provides to the society. But eventually, the benefits the church provides with the society begin to go against the society. And when they begin to go against the society, the society says, I hate that church. And then after a while, because they hate the church and they don't want anything to do with the church, and the society begins to crumble again and crumble again, they, they say, you know, maybe we need that church again. <laughs> And they start to like the church again. And you'll go through that. The difficulty is in those cycles, the church must never change. Must never sell out. They must keep their vineyard. And that's my two points. And these are not original with me. I heard these from an old preacher who, it was the last time I ever heard him preach. Um, some of you may know, Gary Prisk. And he preached these two words. And it was shortly after that that he died. And... Um, he, he made this this statement in his sermon. I'm just going to give them to you this morning and be finished. He said, keep your vineyard. And when he talked about keeping your vineyard, he talked about don't give it up. Don't sell it out. Keep your vineyard. And this morning, I want to say those words to Mountain View Baptist Church. Keep Mountain View Baptist Church. Amen. Keep it. Don't sell it out. Don't compromise it. Don't change it. Don't, don't, don't don't let the devil think you need to do things differently. Even though you may come under attack, stand strong. But then he said the second thing was keep your vineyard. And he used that keep your vineyard in the idea of taking care of your vineyard. Because sometimes we can be steadfast, standing strong, but we're neglecting the foundations. We're neglecting the beautifications. We're neglecting the the cleaning. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not talking about the physical things of the building. I'm talking about the church. Keep the church. In other words, don't just be out there and saying we're strong, we're steadfast, we're unmovable. We're, we're, we're you know we're on this book. Take care of your church. Amen. Take care of one another. Take care of other believers in the body. Take care of your pastor. Take care of the ministries. Um, Do the things that you have to do on your car. You do got to change the oil once in a while, amen? You do got to take it down and wash it now and then. You do got to check for rust now and then. Do those things in the church, amen? Walk around and say, what do we need to do to make sure our church is keeping up, well-maintained so that we can keep going on? for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just an attitude of perseverance, but it's an attitude of preservation. Let us keep it for the next generation. Let's not hand them a church that's old, abandoned, and falling apart, but let's hand them a church that is doctrinally strong and thriving for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray this morning. Father in heaven, Lord, we love you. And Lord, as we go into this season, Lord, we're thankful. God, we're so thankful for the celebration today of Mountain View Baptist Church. And God, may you help us to rejoice in that. And Lord, as we even have revival this week, and Lord, as commission Josh, and Lord, that all of that would bring honor to your name. And God, the church would be strengthened. Lord, you would save people. You would strengthen people. And God, you'd bless your word in our lives. And Lord, help us now to stand for you and to live for you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Matt.